0: Hey folks, welcome back to the show. While today's episode is actually recorded a few weeks ago, at the time right now of recording this intro, along with the rest of the world, I've learned about the news of Chadwick Boseman passing away. And while we're not going to have any kind of big discussion about it today, it just felt right to take a moment right now at the top of this episode and just acknowledge and mourn his passing. My guess to most of you listening is that your relationship with Chadwick Boseman was through the movies and most notably Black Panther. And while I think it's okay to celebrate and acknowledge those films he's made that we love so dearly, I don't think right now is an appropriate time to have any kind of discussion or even ask questions of what does his loss mean for, insert whatever movie topic. Because above all else, he was a person. He was a person with a wife and family and friends close around him. And so right now they are the ones truly facing this loss and impacted the most. And the most important thing right now for them is prayer and love and support in their grieving and loss of him. And you know, in the year of 2020, this this is just another one of those things that feels just so shocking and crazy and out of left field. And And for him, because he was so young, it just felt like he was still at the beginning of of leaving his mark culturally and artistically on the world. So what I would say to Mr. Bozeman is that while he left us too soon, just in this time, this finite time he had here on this earth, the mark that he left behind, not just as an actor or movie star, but as a person is incredible. And it is not going anywhere. So thank you. So obviously, that is a, you know, a heavy way to open the show, but a necessary one. So I'm just going to do my best right now to (laughs) segue into today's episode, episode two, I just first want to give a huge thanks and shout out to all of you who have left comments and ratings and reviews on Apple podcasts and social media about the show. Not only does it support the show, but it it just means so much to me to already see people connecting with the podcast from episode one. So thank you. And like I said before with today's episode, it actually was recorded a few weeks ago because a great friend of mine, Petre Lasila, happened to be in town, and we both agreed that I had to record an interview with him for the podcast. So Petri Lasila, he's an amazing actor and writer. And I forgot, like a doofus, to ask him this at the end. But to those of you who want to check him out, follow him on social media and his work, you can follow him on Instagram at at Petrelacilla, P-E-T-T-E-R-I-L-A-S-S-I-L-A. And you can also find his work at petrelassila.com, which is spelled the same way. So... Without any more time, I want to hand it off to my audio engineer, Dennis, and he is going to cue that intro music. Movies of Matt, movies of Matt, movies, movies, movies of Matt. Movies of Matt, movies of Matt, movies of Matt. Movies of Movies was a way to open up the show that was not me alone. No. I there I have a very special friend here on the show today. Who? Well, that is my friend. Petri La. La <laughs> welcome Petra LaCila to the show. Welcome, Petra LaCila to, Wel- well, to the show. Welcome Petre. Welcome Petra La to the show. Welcome Petra Welcome Petra Welcome to the show. Welcome everyone to the show. This is Movies with Matt. I am <laughs> your host, Matthew Ferris, and as you can see, um, I have my good friend Petre here and it's it feels a little dangerous every time. <laughs> we get together in the sense of like we're we're both very much on like the weird wavelength. like we can go there. oh yes. And so it's like I feel like anytime we see each other hang out, it's really easy for us to just, um, Well, just like you just heard, just like you had to listen to for the first, whatever it was, minute of the episode. (laughs) So probably a bunch of you are like sitting in your car right now like, crap, I don't know if I can listen to this whole episode like this. Uh, But it's fine, you know, so we're going to, some little weird turns today, but it'll also not be all uh, binge berry, as we say. (laughs) i still need to watch barry because you were saying you
1: should watch barry i think it's the best tv there's been made in a while it's so good
0: because i'm a huge bill Hader fan oh yeah he's fantastic and henry winkler's on the show Mm -hmm. and i've only heard amazing things about it
1: it's fantastic yeah i think they're going to release season three they were supposed to release it last spring, but mm-hmm. then COVID happened.
0: Yeah. And I'm not sure what the schedule is now. So we'll see. But yeah, I know technically this is a movie podcast and it's a TV show, but mm. it, it seems like maybe it has a little bit of a cinematic feel to it too. Yeah. A, a tad. Like, obviously it's a ser- series. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're about to make some weird noise there. <laughs> I couldn't tell. Uh. Uh. Well, yeah, well, yes.
1: of course. Henry Winkler.
0: Henry Winkler is wonderful, but um, yeah. So today's episode, my friend Petri is joining me. He's the first official guest on the show.
1: I'm very uh, honored.
0: Yes, honored. And um, yeah. So it's probably going to be a mix of you know have a little Q and A interview, you know, see how long that goes for. But then yeah, we'll just be we'll kind of dive into whatever discussions that we want to have.
1: That sounds splendid.
0: So, again, thank you everyone for tuning in to this week's episode. This is where we talk everything movies and even a little TV as mm-hmm. well. It's a there's a marriage between the two. It, it ties together. But um, let's get started off because everyone at home is probably wondering who my friend is. So, Patry, I'm just going to kick things off with a question, uh, a first question I like to ask anyone, which is, uh, what is your relationship with movies?
1: Um, it's complicated.
0: Okay. Don't mean to breach a juicy subject. (laughs) No, I mean,
1: I don't even remember what was the first movie I saw. It must have been, ooh, it might have been Dumbo. Really? When I was four years old, I would would binge watch Dumbo (laughs) over over and over again. (laughs) It's a pretty sad movie. I know, I was about to
0: say. Actually, this is a not great confession, but I actually don't think I've seen the original Dumbo <gasps> all the way through.
1: Have you always just seen by a happen- remake?
0: Just, just by happenstance? Like, you grew up watching Disney movies, but and I've seen like parts of it, right? You know, like, but I don't know why. Yeah, just- I'll forgive
1: you. It's really good, though. Okay, and it's really old. I think it's
0: that's one of their oldest.
1: Yeah, what 40s, year was-
0: 50s, maybe. I Think so. Yeah, I'm 40s, 50s. Sounds correct. Yeah, I have to IMDb it, mm-hmm. but. Yeah.
1: The remake was something else.
0: Oh, yes. The live action uh, yeah. Tim Burton.
1: It sounds Is great it... on the paper, though. Tim Burton making Dumbo. I think that's it true. fantastic. That's true. But but the yeah.
0: mo- movie itself was...
1: Yeah, it was, wasn't was that great. Even though it has Colin Farrell and, and what's-his-face. Oh, um, Danny DeVito. Yeah.
0: I think he's... A, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, fair but enough. But yeah.
1: I th- well, Dumbo might have been the first movie I saw, mm-hmm. um, but I th- think the first movie I saw in the movie theater was Tarzan.
0: Oh, nice. The yeah. uh, The late 90s. Mm-hmm. Is, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Love that movie. Yeah.
1: I guess I didn't answer your question. Oh,
0: did come Morgan to the origin. Yeah, so it's like yeah. the first movies you saw, like the main impact.
1: Yeah. I mean, movies definitely have played a big part in my life Mm -hmm. um especially movie musicals Hmm. from early age okay uh every time i would be sick and i couldn't go to school or if i was being sick 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 Sick. (laughs) (laughs) and and couldn't go (laughs) (laughs) my uh my dad would put on sound of music <laughs> and oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> or my for a lady yeah. even, or singing in the rain nice. so so I grew up with some quality musicals
0: that's awesome okay yeah. so musicals are maybe kind of the first type genre of film that you kind of were gravitated towards yeah actually you know? I've
1: never thought about it that way but huh. I think so
0: it's I mean really it wasn't
1: only cool. musicals but yeah. there was, I, was, I loved sound of music it's so a great movie <laughs> My brother told me that they were going to make Sound of Music 2 <laughs> when I was seven years old. Oh, no. And they were having auditions or something. Oh! But that uh, the girl who played Gretel yeah. wasn't going to be there because she was asking too much money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> She's like, screw it. I'm yeah. out of this
1: one. So maybe I could have played Gretel. That's very... You could have. I mean, that's, you know. Yeah, 2020.
0: Stranger things have happened, so.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Or maybe I'd have been Hansel. Hansel.
0: Hansel. Hansel. So hot, right? Now. So hot. Uh, okay, so sound. And I've, I have seen sound of music, don't worry. It's oh. One, it's been a long time, but from what I remember, it's mm-hmm. pretty wonderful. So.
1: Yeah, classic for sure. Okay. But, um. <laughs> has to carry on. Uh, well. I guess I consider myself an as an actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so movies do play a part in my mm-hmm. life. But actually before I came to LA I didn't really uh work in in screen acting. Oh interesting. But I think I did I mean yeah, I, I mainly did stage work. I was Oh I did I was part of a musical theater program, surprise, okay. surprise and and stuff like that. Did a couple of musicals on stage. Um but yeah, really. When I moved to LA, that's when when I actually started acting on huh? on a
0: screen as well. Yeah, because uh, to those of you listening who may not know, Petri was born and raised in Finland.
1: That's right. Yeah, I'm from yeah.
0: Helsinki, Finland. If you can Helsinki. tell from the name and the accent, <laughs> but, <laughs> yes. So okay, so so back in Helsinki, then you just did mainly like stage work like just plays and musicals
1: yeah well actually only musicals Oh, only yeah. musicals. Yeah. okay yeah and it's interesting what's happening to uh the Finnish uh film and TV industry mm-hmm. there's one well I guess the first uh Finnish director who you could possibly know is Rennie Harlan okay and <laughs> I, th- I believe he he directed
0: die Hard 2 oh really and oh wow deep blue sea oh <laughs> so two two action staples and
1: then um night what is it nightmare at elm street or something part four.
0: Oh, part four okay that <laughs> yeah. yeah, was like, nah. oh, yeah, I was like on, no, no, no 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 craven but okay so he did yeah. four
1: yeah oh um and he so yeah he's I, I think he was like our first hollywood director now uh hmm. Dome Karukoski, he directed the Tolkien movie yes, with uh, Nicholas Hoult. Yeah.
0: Ne- really needed to see that.
1: Yeah, and uh, didn't you get to meet him too? Yeah, I I I went to q and A. Q&A yeah, that's him. so was, cool. Yeah, yeah, he seems like a
0: very very lovely person. That's awesome. So okay, so that's been expanding. So then, oh, that's an interesting question. So since when you were still living in Helsinki, you had just done musical theater. What was Did you then, was there an impetus beforehand that made you come here specifically for screen acting? Or did you move here first and then discover, like, your passion, like, to want to do screen acting? Um, well. Or maybe a mix of both, I'm not sure.
1: Kind of a mix, maybe. Okay. So I got accepted to a workshop Mm -hmm. originally in, in 2017 with, um, with Iris Ministries, which is, like, um how would you describe iris it's it's like a christian organization that actually is based in um they're doing like charity work if yeah. you will in in mozambique actually mm-hmm. but then they started their own school for for artists yeah. and uh and my sister actually went to mozambique 10 years ago uh, oh, nice. and that's how i heard about it um so the legendary diamond nora was leading uh the acting track there uh and my sister told about it. So I just decided to apply. Yeah. And Miss Diane Menorah accepted me and I'm forever grateful. And then when I, yeah, when I got to study with her and I came to LA to us for the first time, it, it really changed my life. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to stay and I've been here ever since.
0: Wow. That's incredible.
1: Yeah. Like Diane, she basically saved my life. She's just fantastic. Uh, I was going through a lot and, uh, and that's another thing, I guess, just movies probably kind of a cliche that a lot of artists probably say, but mm-hmm. they've really helped me go through like some mm. of some of the rougher seasons of my yeah. life for sure. No. So yeah, Diane Diane uh is fantastic. You might have seen it seen her in Heat or yeah. with Al Pacino and, and Bobby De Niro and mm-hmm. um Romeo plus Juliet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So she's yeah, no, she's had quite she's had a long career too. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, she was in in Juilliard in the same class with Robin Williams, and, oh, and um, man,
0: I think I remember you remember. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So that's why I owe everything to her. She is fantastic. Um, but yeah, after that, I I'm, actually I do remember like kind of falling in love with the genre, if you will, like mm-hmm. a, a little before that, and then she just kind of sold me. And uh, interesting, yeah. So yeah.
0: So that's amazing. So for you, it was yeah getting to accept into this program over here, mm-hmm. and then it was it just happening to be with this amazing teacher that just awakened yeah like your yeah love for screen acting. A-
1: after that, I studied in her studio for a bit, and then she recommended American Academy of Dramatic Arts to me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which I and then I auditioned to that school. It's a two-year conservatory program yeah. in Los Angeles, so I got in there and then yeah i graduated a year ago and uh, i was accepted to their um, theater company which i was part of and that ended in march ish yeah when COVID started oh yeah <laughs> essentially when everything just
0: stopped yeah. that's when it yeah. ended. so mm-hmm. wow that's amazing though so did you so do you feel like the amount the amount of movies you watched went up after you came here and fell in love with screen acting or did you did you watch a good amount of movies
1: I did before? I did for sure watch movies but I think yeah I
0: <laughs> it became different after you realized like
1: oh, all yeah. screen acting yeah and I mean all the streaming services that you guys <laughs> have here <laughs> Is just pretty mind blowing. Yeah. I so, mean Finland doesn't I mean we have Netflix. Yeah. Okay, and, and it's been three years, so I, I'm not sure what the situation is right now. So maybe it's expanded But I'm pretty a bit, sure but... I'm pretty sure we don't have Amazon Prime there or
0: Oh wow. I think that's that's
1: great. Yeah. Or Hulu.
0: Oh it, I find that surprising. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: We have some of our own variations, I think. Yeah. Something called Via Play. <laughs> via Play. <laughs> <laughs> um And even the Netflix, they have yeah. like it's like the Finnish Netflix. Mm-hmm. So they have their own shows there, yeah, um, and then they have HBO Nordic. Oh, interesting. Which I'm actually not sure how it's different from HBO here, but
0: because um, I'm assuming it just has the same HBO shows as here. I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just want to put the Nordic name and spin on it. Just yeah, to... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like this is new and special. Okay, so yeah, clearly, I guess coming here, then it just. I mean, we, I guess in the U.S. we don't have any shortage of (laughs) entertainment, (laughs) needless to say. we could argue (laughs) the amount we have is uh, crazy, but okay. Well, that's an interesting thing though. Obviously they came up before too, because obviously you are an actor and you're a writer. And so, you know, needless to say in the time we're living in right now with COVID, like we're still experiencing so much of the shutdown and, you know, a lot of things not happening in the industry. Like I've. From what I've read and stuff, you know, Hollywood, like things are slowly kind of starting back up. But yeah, I'd say ever since COVID really started here and with the lockdowns, like what has been that experience been like for you as an actor? <laughs> maybe yeah. that's a bit of a loaded, loaded question. <laughs> yeah. Might, might need to devote like a whole um, two hour episode too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it has definitely made things pretty interesting just from an acting point of view. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, especially for theater mm-hmm. actors. Oh, my goodness. Broadway is closed at least until, like, beginning of 2021.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Um, and who knows, like, yeah. when they're really going to open. I've heard there are there have been some, like, mini theater productions with, like, with an audition of, like, uh, <laughs> maybe, like, 20 people watching or yeah. something. Uh, but, yeah, you've just... I mean, I- interestingly enough voice acting (laughs) oh yeah never as we can notice as we are doing this podcast yes yes audio audio. (laughs) asmr (laughs) it never (laughs) nothing really ever happened to voice acting i mean so a lot of voice artists already had their gear Mm -hmm. at home and that's something actually that I had never thought about before COVID, but it's something I've been <laughs> getting to know, and I've been taking some yeah, classes. That's so it's been cool. really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've heard like the production is slowly yeah getting back there um, in California and in in the in in US and in the world in general. I think actually in Finland, most of the productions are already rolling. Um, oh, so
0: they're okay. So they've started up.
1: Yeah, I mean, with restrictions, yeah, for sure. Um, But I know, like, I have a friend who works in the in the very first production that was allowed to be started in in L.A. Oh, in this one movie. So I know that they're like happening. Yeah, and
0: I think I've read certain like different stories about Mm -hmm. like I I don't know how I know. There's even like the first um, I don't know which studio is making to put the first uh, like or not. It's not the First one in this format, but like a horror movie completely made from home quarantine. So all the actors, I <laughs> think, filming it themselves through their webcams and phones nice. and all that. So yeah.
1: we'll
0: see how that turns out. But mm-hmm. yeah, so it's slowly been yeah to make
1: commercials up. are taking off, uh, which is an art form <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, and yeah, productions. Some productions have moved outside LA. Yeah to other places where the the restrictions aren't quite as tough but yeah
0: oh that's what i was sorry petro is probably wondering is like why is he just ignoring me typing on his iphone i um no when you said the voiceover there's actually a really great documentary i watched a few years ago it's called i know that voice Mm. and essentially it's just a documentary where they interview like all the big like main people in the voiceover industry Mm -hmm. that have voiced everyone from like, you know, like John DiMaggio from like Futurama and Gears of War. And it just essentially like any cartoon voice you can think of, like they, they interviewed that person in that film and it's incredible how it like explores the whole history Mm -hmm. of voiceover all the way back to the days of Looney Tunes and such. I was, uh, I think, I think it's maybe only a rent. Like, I, I don't think it's streaming for free anywhere. It says on Sling TV, but I know that voice. So if you want to watch something that completely opens you up to that world and is really well-made, I'd recommend that one.
1: Ooh, that's so, interesting. Yeah. Um, but, again, to answer your question. Oh, yes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry for that <laughs> derail I, here, folks. No, <laughs> I, I never answer your questions. When he, <laughs> but, um, personally, for me, I mean, and for everyone, mm-hmm. it's... <laughs> Such a cliche answer, I guess, but you just have to, yeah, get get really creative, mm-hmm. the way you work. So I've, yeah, I write also. So I, mm-hmm. as I've talked talked with some of my writer friends, yeah. it's not really different. Yeah, it's about, <laughs> because,
0: yeah, no, it, for me during this time, it's like, oh, now I actually feel less justified in making excuses to not write. Exactly. <laughs> Before you'd be like, no, oh, I'm, it's been real. I'm just so busy, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, you know am at- I? Yeah, <laughs> and I, I
1: do want to hope that when when things really kick off again, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of material to work on, and and people are excited to work again. Uh, sure, but then I think one fair f- uh, fair thought that I hope people are going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, during this quarantine is <laughs> actually things that are a little more important than just acting. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean there's a lot of just like all these racial questions between
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, we've been handling and I, I think that's one aspect that's gonna be really interesting to see like how how does movies and everything is gonna change after all these all these rough times we've yeah. gone through
0: no totally. I mean just yeah, you think about everything we've been through. And yeah, just everything socially going on. Mm-hmm. It's like once we're really out of this thing, like what is the landscape going to be like? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I hope maybe... Could, <laughs> I'm not sure if US or the world has ever been, well, ever, but in a long time been quite so divided that it is now. Mm-hmm. So my hope is that maybe like movies can be like the thing that it will actually kind of bring us together.
0: To- I know I, I agree completely. Mm-hmm. Like I, I hope to. And that's a part of why... You know, I know there's even been discussions about, like, you know, movie theaters being closed and some people Mm -hmm. saying, like, you know, oh, what if it's the end? I I take the viewpoint that they're not going to end. Like, you even, I just, you look at uh, drive-in theaters, like, ever since COVID and now attendance to drive-in theaters is, like, I mean, been, like, full on. So, Mm -hmm. clearly, people still want to get out and get to the movies and, you know, clearly with the close down, like, there's been more important things (laughs) for people to focus on, but... Yeah, it's, but to me, that's a part of why I think it's even more important, even for theaters like that, to fully open back up mm-hmm. and, and to stick around once we get through this, because it's like just, a, to me, a natural part of people literally coming together to, oh yeah, you know, experience all kinds of films together, you know? For sure. I guess I'm curious even what your thoughts are on that with, like, you know, the theater shut down and now it seems like in September they're going to start opening back up. Do, do you have, like, I guess a thought or stance in the debate, like... It, if, of this being like the end of movie theaters or if you believe they're gonna stick around
1: oh i didn't even know that they were gonna open up se- in september that's fun
0: yeah or i believe so i think a big part of it's been like christopher nolan's movie *Tenet* has been like kind of the
1: <laughs> of course the one to get it back
0: <laughs> open um I'm,
1: I'm i mean i'm sure they will like never die <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, um, sadly, I think many of the movie theaters will have to close mm-hmm. just because of money. Yeah, but I'm I'm sure. Oh, like I'm thinking about people like Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I can't imagine like New Beverly Cinema ever closing. No. Oh no, especially as long as places he lives. like that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I th- yeah I think yeah I, I agree with you. Like I, the the sad reality is that there are going to be places that'll close, and and but that's needless to say for all types of businesses right now. Mm-hmm. You know, but. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, the part of me wouldn't see them closing down completely because there's certainly plenty of people at home who, uh, rather watch movies at home or they like the convenience of that. But at the same time, I still see so many people even online commenting about like they want to go to the theater. Like, they like watching movies at a theater way better. So I think, if anything, the theaters that stick around will be the ones that figure out how to adapt to it. Mm -hmm. So my, my hope too is that. You know, I think there's a stereotype of movie theater sometimes. It's like, oh, it's just overpriced and it's never clean. And it's like this laundry list of kind of negative connotations. But I'm hoping that, you know, uh, especially the big movie theater chains really kind of choose to figure out, like, how can we really improve and innovate on our experience? So it's like people going to the theaters, like when you pay the price of a ticket, not only do you, it's not just to watch the movie, but it's like, you know, you're going to have this really amazing experience so mm-hmm. yeah
1: for sure and and i feel like again it's going to be kind of an amazing feeling when you when you go there again yeah you know? I,
0: I think that's i'm sure yourself
1: like oh my gosh
0: yeah <laughs> yeah for me like that's that's where i go to like understand life so it's like as soon as it's open back up i'm gonna be going you know with all the safety protocols in place of course like yeah be going back as much as i can Because so.
1: just like quite a lot of my friends obviously lost their jobs or or mm-hmm. their productions have been pushed and stuff like that. So it's just the feeling of going to Broadway for the first time in, in, yeah. in 2021. Like, I, I, I can't even imagine what the feeling is going to be like on the first show yeah. that's going to be opened. So I hope it's going to be similar with the movies, you know, yeah. and,
0: and it's something that will start you know? Totally. I, yeah, I think, you know, while there's certainly been some naysayers, like, oh, it's closed down, and and there are a number of people who, like, don't feel comfortable going back or away. I think if if even the drive-in theaters show anything, mm-hmm. it's like that. Like, people, if anything, have had to stay home so long, and even realize, like, oh, this is what it's like when movie theaters are closed, and I can't even go. Mm-hmm. It's like, if anything, it's almost building up, like, the desire for people to go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like when you say, like, when Broadway opens back up, it'll be, like, this feeling like everyone wanting to like almost rush back or yeah. like a lot of people just like wanting to get in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. And I think that's, that's a good hope and perspective to have. Yeah, so sure. what would you say? Uh, well, we'll start off as an actor. Who would you say your favorite actor <gasps> of all time is?
1: Hmm. It's really hard to name just one, but uh, or even like
0: a, like top three, top five. If yeah. You
1: have to- I mean, f- <laughs> Forrest Gump has always been my favorite movie mm. so I guess I would have to say Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Okay. Um but some some actors who I really love are Sam Rockwell mm-hmm. and uh Colin Farrell. Nice. Guys like that. Um some Finnish actors who I also love a lot. Mm. Hannebeck Bjorkman <laughs> and people like that, but I'm you might not know (laughs) (laughs) that you might
0: you have phones so if you just need to google them it's okay don't feel ashamed (laughs) exactly no forrest gump's a great what what did you what do you feel like it is about forrest gump that has caused you to fall in love with that film
1: well it's strange because it it kind of breaks all the movie making rules doesn't Hmm. it yeah (laughs) it's just a guy who tells his life story in a on a bench. It's, it shouldn't work. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think him and Tom Hanks and Bobby Zemekis, mm-hmm. they were um, discussing when they were making, like, after a couple of weeks. Yeah. I might be wrong, but I feel like they were, Tom Hanks was like, like, is this even going to work? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they had some doubts, but I think yeah. it's, well, I love history, and mm-hmm. I think it's especially the history that they go through from yeah. the 50s to then. 90s i believe or 80s totally and how he just
0: happens to (laughs) (laughs) just like stumble through (laughs) like all the yeah even the scene where he's at the white house with jfk he just (laughs) drinks all the doctor peppers (laughs) that was another thing too that was one of the first films to use green screen and cgi Mm -hmm. in that manner and i remember that like the first time i saw it as a kid i was like it was like seamless i was like how do they do that Mm -hmm. like yeah yeah
1: Mm. excuse me um (laughs) I think it's that and then it's really hard to explain like every time i watch the movie i, I just find something new or mm. it's almost like a yeah therapeutic experience totally <laughs> if i'm going through something in my life i just watch Forrest that's Gump the one and, you put on and, and, and life makes a little bit more wow. sense again <laughs> <laughs> um enough. yeah i mean the acting is phenomenal and there's this this innocence mm. of course in in Forrest's character and and and, and he's a little bit of a slower side. But then you just find yourself sympathizing with him. And and, uh, and then he has these epic one-liners that are
0: surprisingly deep. In. Yeah. So, yeah. No. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, Forrest Gump is one of my, all, I would agree, one of my all-time favorites. And especially seeing it when I was younger. Like, I remember watching it, like, over and over. And yeah. It's an emotional one. Mm-hmm. The ending always gets me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a great favorite movie.
1: Um. But other than that, I think movies like, well, dark comedies, especially especially Martin McDonough, I look oh, him up. Oh, yeah. I look up to him a lot. Mm-hmm. Like Three Billboards, oh, In yeah. Bruges. They are for sure some of my
0: favorite movies. Some great movies right there. Yeah. You know, I, th- especially Three Billboards is a movie that really took me by surprise. Oh, my gosh, yes. Like, because outside of like a, especially like a Tarantino movie, that was one, I, I know we were talking about it, it's mm-hmm. like, it had been the first movie I'd watched in a long time where I genuinely didn't know where it was going to go and what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it was just like such a journey. And then needless to say Sam Rockwell is amazing in that film. It's probably my favorite Frances McDormand yeah. role as well. Like she's just... He actually
1: wrote the role for her.
0: Um, and, and for Sam yeah. Rockwell, I yeah. believe. Interesting. Uh,
1: <laughs> apparently I, I was watching his interview and uh, he... i mean, I think she's one of his favorite actors, and they had met at an airport. And then Francis McDormand <laughs> told him, "Like, well, write a role for me." <laughs> <laughs> so okay, yeah. I guess and, I'll just
0: go write a role. For yeah, you. and
1: he said, "Like, if, if Francis McDormand asks you to do something, you do." It. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's, wow. and it's happened free billboards. That's it's, amazing. Yeah, it is. I think yeah, dark comedy in general is one of my hmm. favorite genres. Like Jojo Rabbit is another oh, yeah. just fantastic movie. I love Jojo movie. Rabbit.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Taika. Yeah. Oh, I'm a, I'm a, I am ai know. That's another thing you guys will get to know. I'm a huge Taika fan. Mm-hmm. Love, love his movies. Yeah.
1: But in dark comedies, I, I think... I, I Actually, I, as I was watching this one Martin McDonough uh, interview, he, I was surprised because he kind of had exactly the same thought that I did, that like dark comedy kind of represents pretty realistically what the world looks like (laughs) often. (laughs) And how uh we're going through all these terrible tragedies, but then we're finding like this lightheartedness or comedy from them and it's and we're kind of reflecting like, oh is it okay to laugh at this subject or not? Yeah. And especially in JoJo Rabbit, it's like you're just
0: dying laughing and all of a sudden it just hits you. Yeah, I was about to say, need- I mean, needless to say, just the setting alone is mm-hmm. already like, oh, okay, so this is what we're going to make a comedy? Yeah. Like, and a part of it, you know, even when the movie first starts, it's probably a little uncomfortable. But and, but at the same time, like, it's it's laugh out loud funny and then. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a certain point where the heart of it sets in and you're like, oh, I get it.
1: I was talking with a good friend of mine, speaking of movie theaters and the mm-hmm. effect. When I saw the movie, I went there with a couple of friends of mine, and the whole theater was just laughing, laughing, (sighs) laughing. And that kind of made the whole experience kind of even better. And then when that twist happens, Mm -hmm. the emotional twist, no spoilers. Uh. No no
0: spoilies. (laughs) We won't spoil it here, but it's... Yeah, 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 it it grabs you. Yeah.
1: And then it's a complete silence. But
0: you but you like feel and that, that yes yeah. like you can just feel everyone in the room just kind like. of
1: sharing that experience and it's it's a unique experience yeah it's interesting because it, I mean in theater we say that that every show is different mm-hmm. because well yeah on stage like you might might make different choices totally. or just react because we are just humans but also the audience is different yeah in movie theaters of course the, the movie is always <laughs> the same yeah but the atmosphere in the theater, might change it. totally. Yeah, depending on the kind of audience mm-hmm. you're with. Because I saw yeah. Black Clownsman in mm-hmm. Finland, and I I really enjoyed it. It was I thought it was a great movie. But then I saw it again at Egyptian theater, mm-hmm. and Spike Lee actually had a Q and A after it. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I remember the atmosphere was so heavy, like mm. in a good. I mean, such a heavy, yeah, such a heavy movie. But I, but mm-hmm. I feel like Finns were. <laughs> Of course, they took it seriously, but they were like, huh, like, yeah, huh, that's, that's rubbish, that's funny. Like, because, yeah. uh, I mean, they were laughing about the how stupid the ra- I think they were laughing how stupid all the racist, uh, yeah. uh, whatever, neo Nazis were. Mm-hmm. But then, like, the American audience were like, they, even though there's comedy, but they're like, oh, like, I can't stand this anymore. <laughs> yeah, it created, the, yeah, it it's, was just the
0: weight and, like, the tenseness yeah. of the subject matter.
1: So I thought it was interesting. Well, I'm sure you've experienced the same thing where like you've, maybe you've showed a movie, you you, you have a movie that you really love and then you watch it with a friend and they are on their phone or, or they don't enjoy it at all. And after that, you kind of question like, like, either the movie or your friendship.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if we can be friends after this. No. Well, especially as a, as a filmmaker, like... And even I'm just a little more this way where it's like when I'm watching a movie with someone else, like I am watching the movie, but there's a part of me for whatever reason is also naturally fascinated with like either looking or just picking them like the other people's reactions going on mm-hmm. and like tuning into like, how is the audience or the other person like reacting to this? Like, mm-hmm. are they feeling the same thing as I am? Are they on a completely different page? And it's like,
1: yeah. It's, Especially with a heavy subject like oh yeah. Nazi Germany. Yeah, <laughs> like the no. rabbit. yeah. So, oh, yeah. So, this happened with my friend. She saw the movie and she kind of started laughing. She thought it was like, huh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but no one else laughed in the theater. No. So, she couldn't like fully. She was like, I guess I can't laugh at this. Yeah. And then it changed the whole experience for mm-hmm. her.
0: And, and I thought like...
1: that was so fascinating. Yeah,
0: you know, (laughs) no, it was the, I'm trying to think of like the most recent memory I had was, um, even, even once upon a time in Hollywood, which came out last Mm. year. And I, I saw it like three or four times in theaters, (laughs) needless to say, I I went quite a lot. Um, but it was interesting kind of just experiencing the audience's reaction each time, especially uh, no spoilies, but for the final Mm. about, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the film (laughs) where things take a certain turn. And it's like the audience I saw it with on night one, because we I went opening night. And for that section, like, it seemed like they were into it. So there was a lot more, at times, laughter going on. Like, they kind of caught into what he was going for. And it was this really thrilling experience. But then there is, I think, another screening I'd gone to where I just went and saw it by myself. And we get to that same section, and it's like the audience... There was a couple people that were into it, but then others that mm-hmm. weren't quite know how to process it. And it, it, it was almost like a little bit of a weird kind of confusion and tension. Like, I still had a a great time wa- getting to watch it again. But it was like, just even from audience to audience, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, different reactions. But then just how it affects the room and kind of the per- everyone's perception of the thing they're watching, even though they're all watching the same thing.
1: For sure. It, it's yeah. funny that you say that, because I, I think I also saw um the opening night i, I experienced mm-hmm. the opening night of once upon a time in hollywood um not not in chinese theater though but you know yeah um but i was really tired mm-hmm. i think i had woken up at like 5 a.m and oh, i saw uh... the 11 30 p.m showing oh god so yeah you're like <laughs> so i was like really struggling even mm-hmm. though i was really excited to see it and um well, for those who uh, who've seen the movie, probably know that it's it's kind of a different just a storytelling. It's more of a, just a hang around to- movie. Exactly, I think that's how you described it. Yeah, right?
0: and and Tarantino said like it because he I think when he was originally uh, trying to write, come up with what it was going to be. I think he originally tried to ha- make it more of a story, mm-hmm. like more of kind of a, a plot going on. But then he realized at a certain point, he's like, wait, I think these characters are so fascinating. Mm-hmm. I don't need any of any kind of like plot or story devices. I think. I think they're strong enough just to stand on their own, like just to kind of hang out with them. Yeah. You know? And I would still argue the film itself, like it still has a story, Mm -hmm. but it's, it is much more of a hangout movie. It's not like your normal, this happens and this happens and this happens. It's like, it's just more focused on spending time there. And then we just kind of take this detour and just kind of follow, just watch this character living this part of their day in the other part. And it, it, all eventually comes together in the end, especially in rewatch, but yeah, but it, it's certainly not a conventional, like, Oh, this is a movie plot and it just keeps moving, you know?
1: Yeah. I, I saw it again. a couple of days later in new Beverly cinema, which mm-hmm. is uh Quentin Tarantino's own movie yeah. theater. Great theater. And yeah, if you're in LA and, and, Whenever they open the theaters, that's like a must, on like a must do, yes, thing for sure. And I think the tickets are pretty cheap usually too. Like yeah, I, want, I think it was like seven bucks or
0: something. That yeah, they, no, their tickets are pretty reasonably priced because they mostly show, obviously, just older films, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, still they they actually even their concession stand, which is kind of a funny detail. but It's like. They have, like, amazing concessions there for, like, the, some of the best prices yeah. I've ever found at a theater.
1: Yeah, so what I was going to say is when I saw it for the second time there, mm-hmm. the whole movie theater, when you stepped in, it was like uh, stepping into a 60s immersive experience. <laughs> wow. Like, they were selling 60s cream soda. Yeah. It was every, – everything was furnished into 60s thing, and And, and then before so the awesome. show – they were showing all 1960s movie trailers and even a fake um, uh, Rick Dalton <laughs> movie trailer, <laughs> yeah, that's and, so and cool. stuff like that. So he just made the whole movie experience yeah. unbelievable.
0: That's amazing. And it just
1: kind of stepped into this world.
0: I know that's one I, w- I really wish it would have caught at the New Beth, but that's it's it, it's great you put uh, bring that up because I've I've I didn't get to see that there, but I've seen seen a handful of other films there, mm-hmm. but uh, I. It, there was a friend of mine from film school who, he he had said it. Um, he almost kind of compared watching a movie at a place like the New Bev. Like, the audience there, it's almost more kind of like a sporting event. As odd as that sounds. But it's like... Yeah,
1: I can see that. Like, yeah. the
0: just just the set, and especially for, like you pointed out, for Once Upon a Time. Like, they went to the, not the, like the trouble of like actually making just the building and decoration, everything itself like the 60s. But it's like, the audi- type of audience that goes there, it's like... They've either seen the movie or, or even if they haven't, they're like going in and they're like fully engaged, like they're fully engaged and they're fully passionate about it. And it's like, it, it, it completely, yeah. So it completely changes like how you view a movie, especially when you see it there. Like maybe you won't be as into it, but it's like, it's a different, it's just kind of a different energy.
1: For sure. And, and he's really passionate about no phones. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: <laughs> you, know, you don't want to have your phone on in yeah. the theater.
1: Yeah. I think they like, Mm -hmm. yeah, they throw you out like right away.
0: Yeah. Same with, um, I haven't gotten to go to one because I never live near one, but here in Arizona, they actually have Alamo Drafthouse Theaters. Mm. That's a big chain I've heard about for a long time. And I think they're famous. They always make like PSAs and stuff about no phones and big on that experience. But, but that's, but that's so cool though. How like you go the first night, you're in a completely different scene. It didn't hit, but then all you do is just go see it again. At a different theater and all of a sudden it like it sounds like complete kind of completely changed your perception and yeah. like enjoyment of it.
1: And I noticed it kind of works the other way around too, where because usually I think movies should always be experienced on the big screen. And yeah. well yeah. Always yeah. I, I think so. But um I think I must have been thirteen years old when I first saw Lost in Translation. Oh, with Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. And I hated it. Because, <laughs> again, it's one of those movies that doesn't really have a plot. It just kind of no. follows
0: these yeah, it two people. takes place over the course of, like, what? Like a day or two? Yeah. yeah.
1: It and just kind of follows yeah. these two Western people meeting mm-hmm. in Japan.
0: <laughs>
1: and that's it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty Kind of. Right. Yeah. Uh, like, um, there's some setups with the characters yeah. and stuff,
0: but it's not super plotty.
1: But then... I saw it again, I must have been like 21 years old or something, and I watched it alone on my laptop with my headphones on, oh, and it was like a very, and I just got sucked into the world of the movie, Huh? and at the end I was just bawling my eyes out, and I wasn't wow. sure why. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like if I had watched that with another friend from mm-hmm. TV, it would have been totally different rather than watching it from, from a laptop yeah. with their headphones on, you know?
0: Or or even
1: from a movie theater. It was just fascinating,
0: you know, how how it works. Well, that's a good point, though, because it's like, you know, obviously, if you enjoy a movie, it it really is because of the movie. A good movie is going to be a good movie. But Mm -hmm. it's funny how, depending on how you watch the film or who you watch it with or don't, maybe by yourself, like how that even kind of plays in and affects your perception of how much you understand and enjoy or don't a movie, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, um, it's actually, it's funny because the first time I saw Lost in Translation was on a plane. (laughs) I was like in a really crowded plane and put headphones on, but at least that first experience was a great one. But yeah, um, yeah, like there's, there's even certain movies where it's like, I, I've seen it with someone and like, you know, I enjoyed it or it was fine, but then I just get to kind of sit down and just maybe come back and rewatch it by myself and, Mm -hmm. you know, put it on the TV in my room, turn off all the lights. And then during that viewing, it's, like, when it really hits me. Yeah. You know? It's, like, it's it's, it's almost like it, there's, like, a freedom just to kind of fully feel what I'm going to feel. Like, it doesn't matter what how anyone else is kind of perceiving the film. Mm-hmm. When it's, like, it just hits you.
1: Yeah. By the way, I think both of us tend to watch movies multiple times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I... Well, not obviously not every single movie but mm-hmm. i feel like i've like special movies that i like i will yeah. watch them multiple times totally no i'm the same exact way but i have friends who like even if if it's their favorite movie it's like oh yeah i've only seen it once maybe twice if it's yeah. my
0: favorite <laughs> no totally or or they like they're like oh i saw that a few months ago i i want to wait longer to watch it again it's yeah.
1: like
0: i'm no i'm i'm the same way it's like uh we're talking about Tarantino a lot in this podcast you, so yeah well, this is what's going to happen when you have the two of us. But um, he kind of related it. It's like a great movie is like a great song. It's like you think about like your all-time favorite songs. You mm-hmm. think about like just the first time you heard it. Like it probably was a great experience. Mm-hmm. But you don't just listen to that song once and don't listen to it again. It's like every time you go back and listen to the song, it's like that's when you actually start really enjoying it. Because mm-hmm. it's like that first time, even if it's a good experience, it's like even with a great movie – it, your first viewing is always the breaking of expectation, whether positive, negative, or just, just in general, you know, because you don't know exactly what it's going to be. Uh-huh. So then when you go back and rewatch it, it's like, you know what's going to happen. But in that sense, just like a great song, like, oh, I've heard the song before. So when you go and listen to it again, it's like, you know, when they're going to get to this part, or you know, when it's going to dip low. And it almost like enhances you getting to enjoy it, you know, because you've been along for the ride. But then also with the best films it's like there's always some kind of layers to them so it's like for me great movies that i love and rewatch, it's like every time i watch them there's always something new that is kind of revealed or or something about it that i didn't fully understand before and it's like oh i get it now
1: absolutely that's you know? that's what i was going to say too <laughs> it's or you'll follow like the arc of a supporting character and you'll like find new stuff yeah I see a little detail them.
0: Exactly. And again, with a movie like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I would say that is one that completely rewards multiple viewings. Mm -hmm. Because I enjoy I really enjoyed it on the first viewing, but it was in second, third, fourth. I've probably seen it almost like seven times now, but it's like there's something new every time and it makes me love being there more. And now it's like... Now I, I just love the film even more. Mm-hmm. And and not to suggest like to those of you listening who like, you know, you don't, for you, it's boring to have to watch a movie multiple times and we're like, that's fine. I get it. Like everyone's kind of oh, yeah. wired up differently. It, it allows you to watch a larger variety of movies over the course of time mm-hmm. <laughs> than, than maybe us, but I don't know. But even just being, you know, filmmakers and, and, and acting and writing and such for me, because that's a part of just how I've learned with, just making movies and even what makes them great is just, it sounds overly simplistic, but just watching movies like over and over again, just trying to like take in the layers and understand it. So
1: Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So here's, here's an interesting question. So since you grew up in theater and, and obviously over time as well, even acting in, in in plays, not musicals and such and, and mix of both, but also screen acting. So acting for film and TV, for you, what what do you feel like is the biggest difference in your process uh, when you're acting in a role for the screen as opposed to a role on stage?
1: Um, I wouldn't say the preparation necessarily is different okay. because I mean it's acting and yeah, it's and it also depends on a on a genre. Mm-hmm. But I I guess the main difference between uh, film and uh, film and tv acting versus well especially film acting mm-hmm. i guess versus uh acting on stage is that if you're if, if you're on a stage that in a big theater mm-hmm. you will have to act so that the, even the people in the very back mm. will see you and hear you yeah and a lot of times you will see um Like, usually some of the greatest moments in in movies might be, like, these very tender little scenes where there are, like, teeny tiny details. Like, uh, someone who comes to my mind is Bryan Cranston, who is absolutely amazing in Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. And you will just see, like, something just changes in his face. yeah, Almost like and a microscope. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, like, the beauty of film acting but of course that would (laughs) never work on stage (laughs) because there are no close-ups on stage no although um,
0: unless you're sitting in the front row yeah you can kind of with your own vision yeah your own close-up but
1: speaking of that i think one pretty interesting mix is uh if if any of the listeners have seen uh hamilton on -hmm. disney plus because it's the filmed version of the stage production I think they, I, I believe they filmed two or three different shows with the audience and then two shows without the audience. Oh, interesting. So they were able to do close-ups and do yeah. all that fun stuff, <laughs> <And> especially <laughs> Jonathan Groff is playing uh, King George, mm-hmm. and you can s- see him spitting <laughs> around, <laughs> uh, but apparently I I don't remember the story exactly, uh, uh, super well, but... Um, Apparently King George mm-hmm. the third really like spat a lot <laughs> or something <laughs> and and when they were watching the first version of the movie with Helena Manuel Miranda they were telling him, like oh don't worry we can we can like edit that out but mm-hmm. he was like no like I, I want to keep that <laughs> <laughs> but so I think funny. that's an interesting study in for the difference between film and TV acting, that's if a you great will, point. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and we have to remember, Hamilton is a musical, and yeah. quite an unusual that, musical. That's true.
0: <laughs> Not, yeah, even as opposed to like filming just the production of a play, like it's mm-hmm. a musical. So, even, like you said, the approach to your performances, you know, yeah, yeah, it's a different kind of performance in mm-hmm. a sense.
1: But I think like they preparing for the character is quite similar, mm-hmm. although usually. In theater you will have a rehearsal process and, and you might hear that you get the role I don't know how many months before, but you'll mm-hmm. have time to process and and do all that stuff. But then with film and TV mm-hmm. it's it's luxury if if you get a rehearsal process. I mean yeah. you, you probably know even more about this than I do, no, but it's it's, but true. it's yeah you will not get that chance.
0: No, unless you have well Normally it's never months, but unless you're working with like a well again Tarantino or a, like a Richard ladder yeah, like those are people who go out of the way. They're all about rehearsing the whole movie before they ever get to set with everyone. But if, I feel like it's kind of rare, less commonplace mm-hmm. that that really happens, or to even have that long of a rehearsal. You know, most of the time, if it happens, it's like re- pretty quick before filming starts. And
1: yeah, yeah, and with stage acting, like even when you're doing the performances especially Mm -hmm. I don't know it's again different if it's like Anton Chekhov or or like some silly farce Mm -hmm. (laughs) which usually aren't that deep but but with some deeper dramas I guess with I don't know, like American classics, like Arthur Miller and and so Eugene mm-hmm. O'Neill. You will find new stuff mm-hmm. each night when you and you will, you might even make a breakthrough, like after <laughs> after performing the show yeah. for three months, huh. uh, and you will find new stuff. And you know, there's an arc. But then, <laughs> with camera work, like mm-hmm. when you nail it, it's like okay, cut, and yeah. that's it, and you will <laughs> never do the scene again. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's like solidified forever, right then and there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Plus, of course, in in uh, camera acting, you will barely ever correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but barely ever is the process uh, chronological. But you will do the scenes in whatever order is because totally. If you need to mm-hmm. use the space, you will do all the you will do all the scenes that happen in the courtroom. Let's yeah, say
0: exactly. Needless to say, m- with most productions, yeah, you're filming all the scenes completely out of order. And yeah, yeah it comes down to.
1: And obviously yeah. with theater, it's chronological and you get to do exactly. the arc from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. But I've heard multiple times where actor I haven't had to do this yet, but where uh, the actor has to do like
0: the final scene on the <laughs> yeah. first day of shooting. <laughs> and it it's must be like, pretty bizarre. <laughs> no, it's it's kind of weird the headspace you have to get in. Like for me, like growing up, like doing it most of my life, I'm a little more used to it, but even then, like, I, I like to try and keep it as chronological as possible because I do think it helps. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is just a different kind of beast. So you have to just be able to yell, yeah, like, okay, I'm just jumping to there now. And I'm going to trust it's going to, you know, line up Yeah, <laughs> I think by the time we get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you feel like would you when it comes to acting you know for film and television and such would you do you feel like you would prefer being able to have a full rehearsal process for for each project or are you do you prefer almost like not having to do all that rehearsal and having it maybe arguably be more fresh on the day if that makes sense
1: um i mean i would say uh say that <laughs> rehearsal is nice <laughs>
0: yes <laughs> so definitely team rehearsal yeah yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> for sure i mean i can i can understand why some people like the fresh freshness i guess yeah. and i've had that experience where uh for example when auditioning when you just kind of do the first take and there's like oh that was actually that that went really well yeah. <laughs> yeah and then you can just keep that but yeah. um uh,
0: I, I know even ironically like uh, Steven Spielberg he's mm-hmm. famous for no rehearsals whatsoever so he mm. literally doesn't see your performance till you get on set and do take one and it's like <laughs> which I find so surprising but
1: and apparently Clint Eastwood always pretty much always uses the first take
0: yes <laughs> I've heard I've actually heard that yeah he, he's like oh, yeah, no pressure <laughs> no pressure doing the first take and we only do 8 hour shoot days since it's a Clint Eastwood yeah. set so he's like
1: really trusts you
0: (laughs) really it's interesting yeah i've gone back and forth because it's like a part of me i feel like i i want to lean more into the rehearsal process Mm -hmm. because i almost view it as like band practice i think about like whether you're going to do a show or you know worship set or something it's like when you have that thursday night before even that thursday night before just to go through all the songs it's like you're able to just play together for the first time and you work out all the kinks so then when it comes to the real performance, it's like, I, in a way, to me, then it enables everyone even more freedom on the day mm-hmm. to like go for it and even try new things, you know? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I've even, you know, even with my last film, I remember doing, like really wanting to do more rehearsal, but then the actor I was working with was like, they got it after, you know, just going through the scene really a few times. And it's like, <laughs> they didn't need more rehearsal. Like they were locked in so yeah so I guess it can even kind of vary from actor to actor as well but yeah but I I I think rehearsal is is a fruitful thing so I so even with my projects going forward I want to try and lean more into that because I think again it helps I think it helps everyone become a lot more comfortable so then when you're actually on the day shooting it's like we figured out kind of all the the big questions we've gone through it together and it's like
1: Mm -hmm. you can just go yeah you
0: know i that that
1: reminds me of something that i've really been learning more and more just lately is how especially actors (laughs) how blind they are to their own work like Mm. what works and what doesn't (laughs) (laughs) and uh like i've had instances where i felt like that was horrible And then people say like, "Are you kidding? Like that was great." And then they all see the film, and yeah. I'm like, "Oh, I guess that was work. That worked." And <laughs> and vice versa, where I felt like that was amazing what I just did. And like, I ah, don't uh, And is someone that... who was talking about this is Christoph Waltz. Oh yeah. Uh, who I forgot to mention, definitely like one of my absolute favorite amazing. actors. He's amazing just actor. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I could talk about him forever, but <laughs> but but he said the same thing that. Um, Especially in the theater, he said, if you if you have a show where you're like, after the show, you're like, that's it. Like, that was a perfect show. I couldn't have done anything better. He said, like, 99%. 99% of the time, the audience was bored. <laughs> but then he said, the cosmic justice is that it, it's not quite that 99%. Mm-hmm. But, but when you feel like that was absolutely... Horrible, like how will I ever show my face <laughs> <laughs> to my colleagues and friends again? And it's not quite the ninety-nine percent, mm-hmm. but but it'll be like that was something. There was something really interesting in that.
0: Interesting, and, it's,
1: it's, yeah. and, and he actually sorry, he, he said he had an example where in uh, in Glorious Bastards he thought that there was a take that was just fantastic. And he was like, that was something really special what mm-hmm. we just did. And he said, I'm really glad it didn't end up being in the film. <laughs> <laughs> in the movie. So,
0: yeah,
1: I I, think it's, uh, <laughs> it's a gift to just like let go and trust the director mm. or whoever is the maker. Like, this is your vision. Yeah. And I'm just here to do my job as well as I can. And I trust you that you know, to be the judge. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it's kind of funny too. Yeah. Cause that perspective when directing actors, it's like knowing that, you know, like you, you carry that trust. So it's like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you don't want to let them down and all that. And it's figuring out, you know, yeah, when you've gotten there, but yeah, it, it, I'm just trying to, it's funny. I'm just thinking about like, why, why that occurs? You know, when we feel so good at times, a lot of the time, like, oh no, it was not that good, but it's the times when we're almost the most doubtful, and like that yeah. didn't work at all like
1: i wonder if it's and of course there are like instances like in theater especially with comedies when you get the instant feedback from the audience so you will know like when jokes work or not that's a great point and you will or you will feel the energy and mm-hmm. uh in those instances you like you will mm-hmm. know like okay that oh, was pretty awesome tonight or yeah. like oh my gosh uh, I that was complete <laughs> <laughs> tonight so <laughs> complete crap tonight yeah so, um I'm blanking now. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) I think my own theory that just popped into my head right now is because acting (laughs) can be kind of about taking the mask off Mm -hmm. and just letting go of the control and just, you know, Mm -hmm. because especially with camera like that, it's pretty brutal. Mm -hmm. Like if you fake at all, like (laughs) the camera sees everything. You can't hide anything. Yeah. So maybe in the takes where you are um, you feel like that was amazing you're actually controlling a lot more of what you're doing if yeah. that makes sense, of course you you know you need to have control mm-hmm. but you know what I mean it's like we're not robots mm-hmm. uh, but when you're actually feel like this is not great you're actually maybe maybe letting go of some kind of guard mm. and uh, being more truthful and honest yeah
0: well, it's funny you pointing that out because this is a I'll reveal a little directing secret. I'll let you into the process of it. And, uh, but this, is, this isn't uh, like an idea I came up with on my own. I actually learned this. Um, it was an interview with either Mark or Jay Duplass, the Duplass brothers. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was actually on Sam Jones, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Because the two of them uh, brothers, they you know, directed you know many movies and TV shows together. And they talk about their process with actors. And I've, I'm like, oh, I use that now because it makes sense. It's like, you go and do take one. And then after take one, instead of uh, giving the actor notes, they just—I um, don't know if they even get, like say anything to them much. They just like, all right, let's go for take two, and then they do take two, and then after take two is when they like will then come to them with something. And their reasoning was that, you know, and, and maybe you'll just will agree or disagree with this as an actor, but it's like you know you'll come into whatever that scene or that moment is in that first take and you have your idea of what it needs to be Mm -hmm. and you do that in take one. And so for them to try, for for a director to come in and try and stop you after take one and give you a note and and change your direction right then, it almost for for many actors like can make them feel like their idea isn't being fully seen or heard, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So then to not say anything, give them that take two, it, it lets... It lets the actor like completely like present that idea and like have a couple takes to like really show it, mm. and then it's after though you know those two takes. It's like change okay, everything, change everything. <laughs> so I know this is a big secret, but it but it kind of makes sense in a way. Like you're talking about with the guard, yeah. And I, I th- you know, because there's I think about the the films I've made. Oftentimes, I'm using pulling more from take three and four, but there are times where maybe in take one or two. I'm taking from there. And so I think it's more comes down to those first two takes you as an actor, you're presenting your idea of what it needs to be. Uh And I think there's parts of the time where that idea makes sense and works. And it's like, you're going to use that. But then there's other times where it maybe doesn't work quite as well. Or there's like, there's, there's a deeper place you need to get to. And so you need to let those takes come out. So that guard comes down and then you can, you know, either just let them keep going and just giving them ho- whatever amount of notes so that you can get to where the performance actually needs to be. Mm. So, I don't know. So maybe, I, I think it's a mix of all those things. It is yeah. about, you know, when you need to let your guard down and and when the ideas you bring to the table are like, you know, you know. And I and I think too, I, I guess taking it all in, thinking about why is it that we feel so doubtful. It's like, you know, I think the times where it, and speaking generally, of course, obviously there's always exceptions to the rule because there are times where like we do something and we feel kind of a deep like kind of knowing or satisfaction like that was the right one mm-hmm. and it, and it actually is good. Um, but I think when we're oftentimes doing doing something that we already know and we're kind of staying in there, a lot of the time we feel good and we feel like yeah that was it. Yeah. You know. And then when someone else sees it or watches it. They're like, oh, that was bad. Or they're like, oh, that it didn't quite work. Uh-huh. But then it's like when, we, when we're when we doing something new, it's like David Bowie talks about the imagery, like going deeper and deeper in the water. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, we're really going to go somewhere new with this. So it's like when you're doing that, you're in a place of unsureness and at times discomfort because you're in a place you haven't been before and it's stretching you. So then after the fact, you're it's that kind of feeling of like, I don't know what I just did there. <laughs> that might have been the worst thing ever. But then, like we talked about, people will see it or watch it, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, that was amazing!" And it's because that those were the times where you went somewhere new that maybe you haven't been to before, didn't realize, mm-hmm. and you were willing to kind of even subconsciously get uncomfortable, and it, and you were able to produce something even better than you could have done before. So
1: yeah, absolutely. I don't know,
0: and and that might I think be I'm sure it's a there's a lot more complex answers about it, but it's interesting trying to figure out like. How we operate and how why we
1: yeah
0: can't seem to experience that as artists.
1: And, and then there are directors like Wes Anderson, mm-hmm. who's very particular how he wants. Yes, like his <laughs> yeah, and Ray you can Anderson's, tell that in yeah. his work. Totally, he's found his own style and like like you cannot improvise.
0: No, <laughs> no. <laughs> completely. Or even your, you know, your Kubricks where or Fincher's where you're doing at least like. 50, 70 takes yeah. the same thing and just trying to break you down yeah. <laughs> essentially
1: but as an actor mm-hmm. I, I do believe like like I personally like to explore and try different mm-hmm. things but I think ultimately our job is to you know cooperate with the director and mm-hmm. whatever his vision is
0: yeah well it makes sense and I, and I think especially because I've acted as well but especially as a director I think it's why it's really important for you to articulate your vision. And at the same time, I, I honestly think your biggest job as a director is, is essentially you are the heartbeat of it all. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the job is especially just like the way I view it is like maintaining the state of play. So it's like you want to rein everything in. So you don't want to allow in choices or, or things that are going to betray the heart of what's going on. But at the same time, even even if you're prepared and rehearsed like maintaining a state of play so it's like you're you're inviting in the best ideas possible you know from your actors or whoever it comes from so it's like yeah so uh-huh. it's so it's interesting It become i think it becomes an interesting balance because it's like yeah as an actor you you know you want to be able to fulfill the vision it's not just about purely what you think but at the same time i also say as a great director you need to you need to make the movie that you're trying to make. You know, if you're if you're just making decisions that betray it, then you're going to make a bad movie. But at the same time, yeah, I think you know. I, at its best,
1: I think it's a cooperation where yeah. the director has a vision, but then the actor might offer something that like, oh, I, I didn't even think about that. Exactly, like, that's amazing, or that was just that just happened. But yeah. let's use that.
0: No, for me, like I, I try and operate under the rule like best idea wins. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think. You know, it it can be easy for people to like not listen to other people's ideas, Uh and and there's a difference too. If there's people who are trying to like uh, maybe try and take like control of a job that isn't theirs, but like doesn't matter who it is, whether it's an actor, it can be you know the DP, or could even be someone like catering. (laughs) Like if there's a pro, if there's something trying to be solved, and someone offers up like a really great idea. I think you're just foolish to not listen to it. Yeah, You know, as opposed to being like, no, well it's not my idea. So I'm not going to let that in. Like, mm-hmm. cause then it becomes like a weird ego thing. So, yeah. you know, yeah, but that's, I guess kind of the interesting art of it all. It is, it is a collaboration. Yeah. You know, it's like, how do you, how do you bring the vision to life, but let everyone also like bring their contribution and ideas to the table. So it's like something that truly, you know, everybody made and because when you look at the best films of all time that's really what those are like i even watched like behind the scenes documents about like empire strikes back and and while it is very much you know george lucas's heart and story and his vision you look at all the departments even just down to the art departments and all of the ideas and innovations they brought to the table and what you realize is that film is so great and it's because every single person on every level like brought their best and their ideas to the table and it and it made the film so much richer and better than you know one person or a couple of people could have ever made it to be. Absolutely. You know? So yeah. Hmm.
1: What do you think? I'm mm-hmm. gonna ask a question from you. Ooh,
0: right. we're turning the tables. Turning the tables. We'll oh, see
1: how the oh, turn tables, tables. have <laughs> 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 <to turn> it. <laughs> <And> Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> what do you feel like is the (laughs) okay how do i i guess two questions what is the purpose of cinema and (laughs) that's a that's a light question and do you think is the purpose to ask questions or answer questions
0: whoa whoa so what is the purpose of cinema and then ultimately is it to ask or to answer questions yeah all right just give me a moment here people
1: i will i will entertain you (laughs) while (laughs) now but while you think yes (laughs) (laughs) i'll come up with one
0: quick
1: (laughs) (laughs) no i was actually talking about this with some finnish friends and uh it's interesting because I, I don't know if you've seen movies where there's like a very clear, let's say, political agenda or something. And mm-hmm. you just feel like someone is shoving something to your throat and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, like I just or 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 with theater mm-hmm. or whatever, when it's not even necessarily political, but it's just like really trying to make a point. And those kind of movies <laughs> can annoy you quite a bit. <laughs> But then sometimes the best productions are actually the ones that they just ask questions and like mm. they come and, uh, you know, make you think or ask valid questions, you know. But then um, one finish, uh, I think it was actually Hannu pekke Bergman who said that, Hann- <laughs> um, that maybe it's time for... That, that we're in, in such a place in the world that it should be like the greater uh, purpose for for art in mm-hmm. general to like start answering some questions mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. That took a pretty deep turn, yeah. but... <laughs> no,
0: that's, no, that's I, that's, I think that's a great answer. Um...
1: And like in general, I think it was again, Hannapäki like, Björkman again <laughs> who said this, <laughs> but you can kind of divide... Um, movies or or theater into entertainment and art, mm. and the purpose of entertainment is to kind of make you forget about life. Yeah, and art is about helping you to remember.
0: Yeah, I think, and that's a great answer, by the way. I'm, I'm almost gonna reverse it. So first, about the, the cinema answer mm-hmm. or ask, and in my opinion. I think ultimately cinema does both. And I oftentimes think about to me, films that I really connect with. And it's like those films oftentimes always start off by asking a question. And by the end of the film, they've answered or made good on that, that question, that promise. Mm-hmm. But ultimately in that answer, it causes like the, it ultimately causes you to ask them more questions as a result of that mm-hmm. in a way that makes you reflect on your own life. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about what is the purpose of cinema, uh, cause you know, my mind naturally goes to, I think about just all the other major art forms. You think about music, you think about literature, um, you, you even think about theater, stage plays and musicals and, and even paintings, all these things. Um, and I, it, it'll be interesting. I, I, feel, I, I I don't even feel like I have the best answer to it, but immediately what I find so striking about movies, about cinema, about why it's made an impact on on my life and, and why I I truly believe in just in my own personal taste, why it's the greatest art form in the world is because to me, it is the one art form that combines it all.
1: Mm.
0: It combines the imagery that you find in, in paintings and murals it takes the text of literature and poetry. It takes the sound of of, of music and all those mm-hmm. elements. And it takes the, the the drama and performance that you find on stage and in theaters. Mm-hmm. And it takes it all, it combines it together. So when you're sitting in a theater watching a movie, you're experiencing all those things at the same time. Which I would say ultimately gives you, gives you the closest experience... Okay almost not to life, but to really of like dreaming. Like Mm -hmm. to me, watching a movie is the closest to dreaming without actually being asleep dreaming. Uh And it's ultimately in that state and taking in all the elements of all the art forms that it's able to speak so directly to the like core of your soul of who you are. And ultimately in whatever form, Opens your eyes so much more spiritually, and I would say, is is something that ultimately like awakens you to God.
1: Mm. No Interesting. I, I've never
0: thought about it that way. That's that's really cool. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to like get to it, but it's yeah, like it it is. There there's nothing else like it, and it's it, it it to me that's why it, at least and it just a part of it just cuz I'm wired up like it it is like this direct line to god mm. and it completely you know people talk about the escape it it pulls you out of yourself and causes you to dream in whatever reality and ultimately will speak to your own life and change who you are and and experience like the the light of god
1: yeah so opinion. maybe perhaps instead of it being an escape of reality mm-hmm. it actually is like a gentle nudge to yeah. uh, uh, somewhere like deep, deep that is actually very real. <laughs> exactly.
0: it By especially the imagery of a theater of literally the lights coming down a screen larger than you, larger uh, that sensation of larger than life. If you're entering this whole other space, it, it, it ultimately brings you closer to what life really is. Mm. And I believe that's truly the, the, the purpose of cinema it's mm. it's to bring you closer to what life really is and and the spiritual core of it all yeah and what's amazing is that it can be in a comedy in a drama in a musical in a horror, whatever whatever or genre combinations mm-hmm. and that it hits all the sensations you know visual sound all everything and, and anything in between and i find that so exhilarating mm-hmm. and and to me why it's changed my life, and why I I really believe it is the, the greatest art form, in the world. Wow. <laughs> I mean, what are you <laughs> saying about that? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't. Um, let's talk about farts for the next one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We. Uh, wow. Well, you you steered it to there, man. You really turned yeah. <laughs> it. Had to go another. Wow. How much time has passed? Oh, it's been like two hours or something. I don't even know. We just got. We really went deep. Lost. We yeah. went deep. Wow. I'm so grateful though. That was, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> you, you're either sitting in your car or whatever right now going like, yes, that's awesome. Or like, what am I doing? But <laughs> <laughs> we're grateful.
1: 90 you know, minutes. You will <laughs> never get back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. Man. Well, I guess probably for the should wrap things up for this episode yeah so it's, this is this is a great ride though. I'm, I'm really happy with where we went or wait by saying i feel good about this does that mean this is really bad no you know okay this is the worst podcast this went horribly i don't like what we did at all it means it's
1: gonna be good We're but just... now did you reverse reverse,
0: reverse wait it? did i reverse or
1: i guess we'll just have to let we'll, the audience
0: decide. We'll let the audience decide. <laughs> but, but, but in all seriousness, this is, yeah, this
1: are podcasts right. good or bad?
0: Are they? Can, can you? Well, if it was David Mamet, David Mamet would go. Podcasts don't even exist. <laughs> yeah,
1: <that's laughs>
0: podcasts right. don't exist. It's not real. Characters don't exist. <laughs> Theme doesn't exist. <laughs> Nothing exists. All that, all that exists are objectives. I cut the meat <laughs> till it's just pure bone. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, thinking of a good, just fun, fun last question to send off with. Okay, here's 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 a fun one. I'll we'll send off with our our guest, Petri. If you could remake, or oh no, if you could star, star in any famous movie, so any movie of the past, you're able to go in and play that character seamlessly. Who would it be? Ooh.
1: The first thought that comes to my mind I would love to pay I would love to play um Ray in in Bruges. Oh. But I also just love Colin Farrell so much. <laughs> it would feel awful.
0: Feel, it'd be a bittersweet, you're like, I'm i I'm really sorry, yeah. Colin.
1: <laughs> and how to like wait, did you see that I would I would be as good in the role as he. Yeah, he you, would. Like you, okay. would just, you would
0: just get to go for it, do whatever right. you want, and it would be it would be good.
1: Um, well, yeah, I guess it would be that, but I would mm-hmm. hope that his memory would be wiped. So yes, he, I was about to say it could be like the Minority
0: Report. Okay. Or would they, Wait, do they do memory white? No, they t- predict the future. Minority Report. Men in Black. It'll be that. Eternal
1: Sunshine of Eternal Sunshine. Yeah,
0: it's another great movie. Yeah, so we'll Eternal Sunshine him, and he, yeah, he won't remember. <laughs>
1: I'll be the only one who remembers, it. so it's like yes. yesterday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the new film yesterday. You're stuck with this like secret, like only I yeah, no no one no one in the film even knows. The rest of the world acts like, Oh yeah, the movie's always been this way. Yeah. Petri in the role.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Name Bruges.
0: Wow. Well, people, we have been quite on a journey this episode. And Petri, thank you so much for this. This is this is quite the time. Thank you, Matt. I'm i on a red. On a red. I'm also on a red that you are on a red. Let's not go there. No. So, people, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Thank you. We will, you know, be back with another one soon. And uh, normally, I close out the show with uh, the saying that, Movies matter, and so do you. But I figure since petre's here and um, we opened up the show with our random new go-to phrase that it feels only appropriate to close out the show the same way we came in.
1: Okay, so Matt, what are you going to do mm-hmm. when you go home tonight?
0: Beach. beach, beach. Movies of Matt, movies of Matt, movies, movies, movies of Matt. Mol- 피- movies of Matt, movies of Matt, movies of Matt. Movies Movies of Matt.